0: Well, greetings and welcome everyone. Uh, this is the inaugural uh, podcast and video. Um, I'm doing the screen recording here on my computer of Sunrise Apologetics, and I'm very excited if you are listening. Um, uh, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a pastor in North Central Florida. I am a, a doctoral student at the Grace College of Divinity Um, In uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, where I uh, am going to school online. I have a bachelor's and master's degree in theology from uh, Liberty University, uh, where I went online there as well. And I am the student pastor and associate pastor of Joppa Baptist Church. In North Central Florida. So, if you ever hear these and um, you want to come by the church in uh, Chiefland, Florida area, you can always come by. And uh, hopefully, I'm still there. <laughs> don't have any uh, current plans to leave, uh, Lord willing. So, um, just a little bit about myself uh, turning 30 this year, which the youth tell me is old, but I don't feel old. Uh, you might be uh, hearing that and laughing. Uh, and thinking that's not old at all but uh, but I'm looking forward to it uh, turning 30 and um, I have uh, been a Christian since I was 16 years old when I was converted so uh, praising the Lord for that. Um, and so I just wanted to uh, basically just start putting myself out there talking about scripture, talking about the Lord and just uh, um, uh, engaging in things that interest me as a pastor and and hopefully this would be uh, uh, useful to you as a Christian, and wherever you might be, and whatever uh, uh, service you might be into the Lord. Um, so I wanted to kick off the first one here with the uh, inaugural, uh, uh, I'm saying that word a lot, uh, with the verse that we most often use for apologetics, which is First Peter 3.15. You can see it here on the video if you're watching, um, but I'll read it for a podcast. It says, uh, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy... Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks of you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So uh, Peter's writing to uh, displaced Christians here in First Peter, and they were under persecution. They were under a lot of hatred and vile from Romans and from other groups. And Peter's telling them, hey, do not respond to these accusations, do not respond to these attacks in the wrong manner. You have to do it in the right way, the same way that Jesus did in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the Pharisees, in front of uh, even Pilate. And so uh, he wants us to follow in the example of Christ. So looking at this verse, when it says, In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy... That's what we're supposed to do. That's important. To honor the Lord is to be a Christian, is to say that I have repented and believed in Christ, and now I'm going to continue to repent and believe and serve Him through honoring Him. And I found that in church, a lot of pastors fall into trouble because they assume that the person they're dealing with is honoring Christ, and that is often not the case. In fact, it's primarily not the case. Unfortunately, and even most of our churches, in, in my experience, we're not honoring Christ as a church. And this is why we can have millions of people who claim to be Christian. But when you look at the actual data of who might be on a, at service on Sunday morning, the number is in the hundreds of thousands. Where, where are all these millions of people? Well, they say they're honoring Christ, the Lord is holy but they may not actually be honoring him. Let me pull up a series of sermons that I have written here and some extra notes for us to look at. Um, this is part one, looking at this first section. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 15, 7-9, You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Where are our hearts? Are they with the Lord, or are they away from the Lord? Are, are, are they honoring him? with lips only or are we doing it with the heart because folks talk is cheap in fact talk is free and you can say whatever you'd like to say i could claim to be a purple dinosaur named barney but that will not make it true it's in vain it's in vain and in vanity do they worship me the bible says teaching us doctrine the commandments of men And this is the issue. This is what the Pharisees were doing to the people of Israel, to God's people. And Jesus rightly comes in and says, you are being a hypocrite. You're teaching what you want, but you're not applying it to yourself. You want the people to do it, but you will not do it. Isaiah was right when he said of you, you only honor with your lips, but your heart, your heart is far, far away. And so that's what we need to be doing is honoring the Lord truly. So that is the first question. In apologetics, are you seeking to honor Christ? If this is about fame and glory, fortune and glory, if this is about getting noticed, if this is about getting likes and views only, folks, I fall into that like anybody. I want likes and views to validate, you know, in my flesh that people will even listen to this, but that's not the reason we do this. This is also the reason that this content, if anybody finds it useful or even listens, will always be free because this is what it's about. It's about honoring Christ the Lord as holy. He deserves holiness, and we must be holy to honor Him. And of course, the only way to be holy is to be repentant of sin in Christ. See, there's a circle, folks. This circle is all about God doing all of the work, and we do none of it. We repent we believe, all because of what Christ has done. It's not about us, it's about him. So he must be honored as holy. Looking at the next part of the verse, it says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. The word defense there, that's where we get the word apologia or apologia, a defense, particularly in a law court. That's my pocket lexicon to the Greek New Testament definition. And, and we're not primarily making a defense in the court of law, though, Christian, you might be called to do that at some point. We are making a defense in Walmart, in Publix, in the grocery stores. You might be in a Kroger up north. You're making a defense in your place of work, your office. I do it on Wednesday night with teenagers who have phones, who can Google the most incredible things. I was doing a Q&A one night with students, and I was asked about the Gospel of Thomas... And whether or not it should be included in the canon, what did I think of that by a 13-year-old kid on a Wednesday night? I mean, that's where we're at, folks. And, and the people who have access to this information, they don't know what to do with it half the time. But they have it. And we have to be ready with the, with the internet, with the program that you're currently looking at, if you're watching this, that, that I'm looking at, this Logos program, which I love, It has given us so much access to information, but yet it seems as though people know less than they've ever known. I like to joke about it this way. We have these devices called cell phones in our pockets, and with them we can bring up the entire uh, informational library, the wealth of human knowledge on our phone. We can look up anything, anytime, anywhere. And what do we do with this ability? We use it to get in fights on YouTube comment boards, and look at pictures of cats with funny hats on social media. That's what we have accomplished. Folks, that's a shame. And it's shameful when I do it. We must be ready to make a defense. And this defense has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. We have what we're supposed to say. God has given His Word so that you and I will know His will, and we should respond with that Scripture. Um, Taking a look at some other notes here, Oh, excuse me, this is part three. Part two, it says, always being prepared to make a defense. Uh, First Corinthians chapter two, verse one says, and when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what we're supposed to know. Not all these wonderful arguments. And, and it is good to have wonderful, thought-out, logical arguments. It is good to have a great apologetic to know the original languages. I, I'm learning Greek right now. I'm not fluent yet, but I really want to be. I'm working on it. Um, and I, and I'm, my plan is to be fluent. It's great to have that stuff, but Jesus clearly tells us that all we need to know to do apologetics is to know Him and know His crucifixion. Know his resurrection. It's not about lofty speech. We can't convince people to come into this this faith with us. We cannot convince them through logic of our faith. God hasn't lied to us. In scripture, God has not pulled a fast one and said, Oh, uh, you know, I want you to go out there and preach to people, but you're going to have to prove me with science. He hasn't done that. He has clearly said, It is faith to faith, and it is faith you must walk, not by sight but by faith. This is your defense. Know the word of God. Know the text. And this is so important. This is so, so important. I meet people every day who claim Christianity. They claim to follow Christ, but they do not know his word. And that means they do not know his will. How then can they know how to defend him if they don't know him? That's the challenge. It really is. Uh, and going on to the next part here. Who ask you for a reason for the hope that is in you. What is our hope? Are we ready? Are we willing to sit down and actually talk with someone about the hope that is within us? Psalm 62.5 says this, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. Romans 12:2 says rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And Isaiah 40, 28, 31 say this, Hast thou not known, I'm reading the King James here, it's so beautiful, Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, he, to them that have no strength. He increases strength, even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That can be you. You can give a reason for this hope that is within you. You don't have to stay in the elementary place of a young Christian saying, oh, it's the pastor's job to talk to somebody. It's the apologist's job to, to get out there and deal with, with other religions and faiths. It's somebody else's job. I don't know where you might be, but where I'm at, I am at in north central Florida, I have young men that come by with white button-down shirts, black ties, on bicycles. And these young men are from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You might know them as the Mormons, but they—they uh, they don't like to be called that anymore. I'm told they're kind of changing uh, the terminology a little bit. They want to be called the full title. And these young men and I've—and I've, and I, when they come to my house, they knock on the door. I bring them in. I sit them down, and I just start talking. I, uh, because it's my house. I mean, if you don't. You know, if you're not going to run things inside your own house, you know, what do you accomplish it? It's your house. If they don't like it, they can leave. They've come to your house. They've come to you. And I just start talking. Now I've studied their theology quite a bit, and I am upfront about that. I tell them that, hey, I've studied what you believe. So just upfront, I want you to know I know where you're coming from. So I can I can move past some of the elementary discussions a little bit. But if if you're not studied, if your education maybe isn't in theology, um, then start here. Start with Jesus, and don't get off of him. Stay on the topic of Christ. Uh, it, the witnesses that also come around, I mean, they've gotten to the point where they don't even want to talk anymore. They they, they bring a, a, a iPad, and they wanted you to watch a video about the end times, which seems to get a, a lot of people's attention, I'm sure. Um, that's what they want to do. Uh, I mean, the last time I had a Jehovah's Witness in my house to actually talk we're sitting there at my table. We're supposed to be having a Bible study, air quotation marks. And all he's talking about is revelation. And are you afraid of what's going to happen at the end time? And so I, after he finished, you know, I'm talking to him and I made this statement. I said, you know, I know, I know that we're both monotheistic, but I'm, I am a Trinitarian and you are a Unitarian. And so we're not going to agree on that point. And this 60 year old man looked at me. His eyes confused and he just mouthed mono. He didn't know what it was. I don't know if he's ever heard the term before. And I realized that I knew more through my studies about his theology than he did. And my heart was broken. I was saddened. And I quickly just moved on and went, Well, you know, we're, we, we both believe in one God, but I believe in the Trinity. And they, of course, do not. And I, and I gave a witness. Of Christ to him. I gave them the hope, the hope that I had. They're out there working so hard for so little hope. I mean, if you study witness theology, they, they don't even believe they're going to be in heaven. They, be, they believe they're going to be a part of what they call the great crowd of witnesses. They don't even believe they get to be in heaven. The, the 144,000 to be with Christ, they're already dead and gone. So little hope. And yet they're out there knocking on doors. They're out there getting, talking to people. And what are we What are we Christians doing? You know, I'm Baptist by denomination, but I, more importantly to me, I'm Christian by salvation. But what is even the Baptist Convention doing? You know, we claim 16 million members, but where, where are these people at? Five million on church on Sunday morning? 100,000 Sunday night? Less than that on a Wednesday night? I mean, these numbers are, are, are just sad. They're just sad. Where's the hope? If you don't have a hope that's within you, then person listen and I would encourage you. I would encourage you to seek the Lord because your hope is your defense. And looking at the end of the verse now, it says, "Yet do it with gentleness and respect." Why are we so willing to run our theological sword through somebody? Why are we so apt to just want to destroy somebody with an argument? Peter's saying here, you must do it with gentleness. You must you must gently reach out and show these people the hope that's within you. This giving of a defense is not being some kind of strike team, where you just you know flashbang somebody's head with your arguments and you just totally destroy them and you can walk off feeling good about yourself. No, you are almost a a, a combat medic. With the gospel, you're trying to patch up these people with the truth, and they're bleeding out with lies. You need to be gentle and even more than gentle you need to have respect having respect for people even who hate you like matthew 5 says people who would despitefully use you one of the best examples of this is jesus on the cross in luke 23 when he says father forgive them for they know not what they do. I know that's a, that verse is a textual variant, but it's in some of the best manuscripts, and, and so therefore I, I think it should be in there. Forgive them, the people that's crucifying our Lord, and He asked God the Father to forgive them. That's gentleness. That's respect. Respect doesn't have to mean that you agree with somebody. It truly does not. I was thinking about Paul who who always treated people with respect, who always uh, dealt who did the most apologetics, certainly on Mars Hill um, and and his friend Demas. Now if you're not familiar with Demas, Demas is mentioned a couple of times in scripture if you're watching that you've you seen that I've got my notes pulled up here. Uh, in Colossians 4:13 uh, he's talking about Luke the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So this is someone who has worked. With Paul, uh, Philemon one twenty three. Therefore, salute Ephorus, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Marcus, Aristarchus, <laughs> Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. So here we see Demas again, and then in Second Timothy four nine through eleven, we see what happened to Paul and Demas in their relationship. It says, "Do your diligence to come to me. Sh- come to me shortly, for Demas has forsaken me." Having loved this present world, and he's departed me unto Thessalonica, and Crescians to Galatia, Titus unto Dematia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Demas was a trusted friend at Paul, but at some point he left Paul and left the faith behind. Don't see Demas as some evil figure like Judas. Any one of us could be Demas. Any one of us could be a a worker. Paul calls him a fellow laborer of the gospel. But at a certain point, Demas gave it up. And he loved the present world. And he left Paul behind. Folks, there are people who, they love the Lord now. But that love isn't real. And at some point, some way, they're going to leave. They're going to leave your churches. They're going to leave your family. They're going to leave you. And it's hard. Paul is, is writing in the midst of despair from a dirty jail cell. But he still puts his hope, not in Demas, not in somebody else, in the Lord alone. See, Paul respects other people, but his hope of salvation is in the Lord. First John 2, 18 and 19 say this, Little children, it is now the last time and as you have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrist whereby we know it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. It is so hard when people leave most of the time because people leave with criticism it's never just oh i'm you know i've got to go i believe god's moving me over here no it's you didn't do right for me church or preacher or pastor and i'm upset at you and that's why i'm leaving it's hard to be gentle there it's very hard Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, faced this difficulty when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden in John 18 uh, 10 through 11. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. So Jesus said to Peter, Get, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Peter's ready to kill someone. But Jesus says, No, Peter, we have to do this with gentleness, we have to do this with respect. For this is how they will see the gospel in us. I love that. I love that so much. Um, Looking at verse 16 of 1 Peter 3, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Folks, if you're wanting to do apologetics, then you've got to be willing to suffer Because it is far better to suffer doing the will of God, doing the work of the kingdom, helping those who need the gospel, doing God's will and fulfilling his desires than to do evil because evil is sin and sin destroys and eventually will take you to the eternal destruction in the lake of fire. It is far better to suffer. It is far better to say the hope that is within you. And at this point, I want to encourage you. Make sure you have a hope. Make sure you have a true hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because without one, your heart will never honor Christ the Lord. You won't be prepared to make a defense. You won't have a hope in the first place. And you will never have gentleness or respect. If you're seeing that in your life today, then, friend, I would say there's no use in doing apologetics. Are you a Christian? Do you love the Lord? Have you repented and believed as Jesus commanded the people of Galilee in Mark chapter 1? Repent and believe in the gospel. Have you done that? Because that's where we have to start. And once you start there, friend, it becomes so, so wonderful. To honor the Lord is to know that you've been set free. And I hope that's you listening. So, folks, this is a short introduction. I don't know how long each of these videos will be. I'm kind of about quality and time. I'm a, I'm, I'm a teacher as well as a pastor, and so I, uh, you know, very busy schedule. Doctoral student, you know, working on working on these things. But um, I hope that these things will be useful to you. I hope that they're encouraging to you. They will always be free. So, if you like this, please just share. You know, I know uh, all the videos are like, subscribe, hit the bell, all that. But if it is useful to you, you know, you can do that. And just know that I'll be uh, plugging away, preaching the truth, uh, making a defense, and sharing the hope that is within me. Um, Before I go, I just want to uh, do something fun. Uh, Each of these videos, I thought it would be fun to end it with a book recommendation. And so if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it, but for the podcast, I'll say it. I've pulled up Amazon, and the first book recommendation, of course, is the Bible. Uh, specifically, a very nice ESV Reformation study guide. Uh, the new condensed versions, they came out about 2018. This one's black genuine leather, uh, and it's about $60 on Amazon Prime. But folks, I got to hold one of these at G3 uh, this past January 2020, and it was fantastic. It holds well in the hand. Great notes. Um, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh, he likes Reformation and Sproul, he's a Calvinist. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not a Calvinist. I, don't, I do not claim that moniker. Uh, But don't be confused. I love the word of God, including the scriptures that tell us of the Lord's authority, sovereignty, and yes, even election. Folks, if you have a problem with that, read your Bibles. I challenge you. I challenge you. Read your Bible. Okay? And not just Romans 9 either. (laughs) Uh, Ephesians 2 are so so many places to go. Um, So I do not claim Calvinism. I claim Christianity and belief in the word of God. And that is where I'm at. So that's your recommendation. ESV, Reformation Study Bible, Condensed Version. Uh, Folks, I hope this has been a blessing to you. And please remember uh, my favorite verse of the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 1031. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. God bless.